Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. The Voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Good morning, it's Turning Pages here on River Radio. We'll be discussing some great books and our favourite reads. And we've got some great recommendations for Christmas books for children. You're listening to Heather Adams and Julian Ashton on Turning Pages. Over the next hour, we'll be keeping you up to date with news from the world of books, new releases, bestsellers and recommendations of some great books to read. Thank you for joining us. As usual, it's a packed show. We've got bookseller Chantal Farquhar from the Little Bookshop in Cookham, who's recommending a great selection of Christmas books for children. I know it's early, but it's best to get in there soon. And Julian and I will be talking about our favourite books that feature winter. And once again, we've been scouring the papers to spot interesting book news. Oh, we can't hear um, Julian at the moment. No, and we still can't hear him. We've obviously got a technical fault. Right, well, let's see if we can sort that out. But in the meantime, you are listening to Turning Pages on River Radio, the voice of the Thames Valley. And don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any favourite authors you want to tell us about, any great book recommendations, whether you uh, run a local book club or are a local author, well, then we'd just love you to get in touch. So you can email me on julian at, uh, sorry, yes, you can email julian at julian at river.radio and I'm heather at river.radio and email either of us with all your book news and we'd be delighted to include some of them um, um, in the future shows. So that would be fantastic. So let's begin with the roundup of those interesting tidbits that we've spotted in the press about books, whilst we wait to see if Julian can can help. No, he's still still not available. Right, so the WH Smith Book of the Year Award in 2021 goes to Marcus Rashford, MBE, the international footballer and a Manchester United player who's written a book, You Are a Champion, How to Be the Best You Can Be. 50,000 copies of which have been given to children around the company. So a deserved win, I think, there. And the author of the year goes to Matt Haig. Now, he's had two books in the Times' top 10 best-selling books this year, The Midnight Library and The Comfort Book. So one, The Midnight Library, is a beautiful um, beautiful novel uh, about a little girl who looks back on her life and is trying to work out what she should have done, what different paths she should have taken. It's a really delightful book. Uh, and The Comfort Book is actually a, a non-fiction book, which um, is ideal for, well, if you just want a bit of comfort. Uh, a mystery that has lasted 150 years has been thrown open to the public to help resolve it. It surrounds a note by Charles Dickens, written in code, and is called the Tavistock Letter. 
Now, Dickens wrote the note in his own modified version of a type of 18th century shorthand. If you're interested in helping to solve the puzzle, there's a prize of £300. So just look up the Dickens Code Project on the computer. I think you've got until Christmas. And... uh, The um, university researchers who are looking into it are hoping that the power of many minds will help resolve it and try and work out what the shorthand uh, actually really says. Now, there's nothing better than a book being read to you, although there's a new audio book company that's just been launched who's planning on using artificial intelligence to narrate the book instead of actors. Certainly, as we all get used to smartphone visual assistants, I'm sure artificial intelligence will have a real good role to play. But I'm reserving judgment on whether the pleasure of a book well read can ever be satisfactory from a robot. I'm thinking there when you're listening to your sat nav driving along and all of a sudden it mispronounces words. Or surely a robot can't really get the intonation round if it's something is scary or sad or happy or sarcastic. I'm not sure um, international um, artificial intelligence is that clever. Anyway, we'll wait and see. Now, one book that not unexpectedly has gone straight into the top 10 bestsellers list since its launch and will certainly be a popular Christmas present is great for any Beatles fans out there. And it is, of course, the lyrics by Paul McCartney. It's a substantial book, um, both in size and price, but it's got a great autobiography of the uh, of. Paul McCartney himself and he's produced that by commenting on his lyrics rather than just doing a straightforward memoir so in lesser hands this might have been a bit of a mess but the the poet uh, Paul Muldoon has worked with Paul McCartney on this so it's absolutely a triumph it's hugely readable it avoids rock cliches and is full of fresh stories It's fully illustrated with pictures and handwritten lyrics that are worth the price alone. And then we mustn't forget the quality of the beautiful boxed book, which makes it a present either to yourself or your loved ones. It's absolutely beautiful, a great big two-volume boxed book. Now, news about investments in NFTs or non-fungible tokens for artworks seems to have broken into the world of literature, not least because there was another dictionary um, announcing that an NFT was their book of the year, although I'm not sure you can use an acronym as a a word, yes, sorry, word of the year. I'm not sure you can use an acronym for that. But anyway, but this time it seems that actual or fungible objects, which is what fungible means, means you can actually touch it, um, has actually come into a fictional setting as items discussed in books are now coming under the hammer. So, for example, the bridge discussed in A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh was ideal for that game of poo sticks, went up for auction recently and made more than £131,000. And the watch made famous in Ulysses by James Joyce has just been sold by Bonham's auctioneers. Now, the watch belonged to a Mr. O'Connell, who was the superintendent of a cemetery in Dublin and who also made an appearance in Ulysses along with his watch. Joyce wrote, the caretaker hung his thumbs in the loops of his gold watch chain 
and spoke in a discreet tone to their vacant smiles. So Bonhams described the watch as a tangible item from the pages of one of the most famous books of modern times. So you will have to have a look to see how well that sales comes along. And finally, the roof of Jane Austen's former home is to be replaced after the museum based there raised a quarter of a million pounds in donations and grants. The new roof on the, on the grade one listed building in, in, um, in Hampshire, where Austen spent the last eight years of her life, will be covered in reclaimed handmade clay tiles and installed by specialists. This is River Radio and you are listening to Turning Pages. Thank you for listening. Coming up, we'll be looking at books to do with winter. But first, I've been chatting with Chantal from the Little Bookshop in Cookham, asking her about recommendations for Christmas reads for children. I first asked her how important the Christmas trade is for independent bookshops. The biggest selling part of the year for us the run-up to Christmas is is when we make up for the rest of the year being a bit quiet with lockdowns etc but yes this is our busiest time like it is for all retail shops and I've got to say there is nothing better than buying a book for a child for Christmas you can't go wrong really can you so you're going to talk to us about recommendations for some children's books people need to buy things for stocking fillers or main presents so what have you got first this one is a countdown book. So it, you'd start it on the 1st of December. Oh. Second part of the series, but you can read it as a standalone. It's called How Winston Came Home for Christmas. And it has 24 and a half chapters. Right. Um, and it's a lovely story. And at the end of each chapter, there is a craft activity to do, such as making uh, Christmas decorations from Oven. popcorn, or it might be making some German uh, Christmas biscuits. It's a really lovely book but it's like a countdown so you start it at, at the beginning of December so don't wait until Christmas Day to give them this one otherwise you'll have to do it next year instead yes okay that sounds great and a lovely way of linking parents and children giving them time at this at this very busy period you know it's very important to sit down and read with your children every day it's really the engagement that they get I think from from the adults in their lives so we've got a couple of disney activity books here so we've got a very disney christmas which is another countdown one with 25 stories and crafts children it's make and play christmas and it's got 40 mm. press out pieces oh that looks fabulous so that was tigger and uh, winnie the pooh i was i was looking at there with a christmas and tree to pop out and put out and decorate it and it's a big board book so that's another lovely one so obviously activity books are quite big this year then or are they big every year they're big every year yeah. <laughs> at christmas time all year round activity books are very very popular uh, yeah. yeah they take their children out for a walk for the weekend and then they might pop into one of the cafes or have an ice cream or something and then come in here and pick up a book an activity book to go home with uh -huh. it's a, a nice thing to do uh -huh. i'll show you this one this is The Snow Queen, which is obviously Hans Christian Andersen uh, fairy tale book, but it's a very, very, very special one. It's a pop-up. Oh, this is amazing. So I've just seen the book open and there's this smashing scene. It's absolutely beautiful. So intricate. So what age very, group would that be for? It's really for any age group. I'd say it's probably up to middle school. Right. Um, read the story to them and you know it has got some spectacular pop-up oh, designs and really 
Really fantastic. That's a very special one. Um, and is that expensive? Let me see. Prices, retail price on that is ten ninety nine. Can you hear me now? I'm on. Uh, Biddle is just so popular year in year out, and just everybody loves his activity books. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? He did loads of. Can you he hear did loads of work with schools me? during lockdown, so he would yeah. do like a, a draw along online and things like that. But, he, um, he was at the Henley Festival as well. Yeah. So everyone knows his odd dog out, and for anyone who has a. And it was also a sausage dog. It's an absolute must-have. So this is on the out for Christmas. It's a lovely story about being different. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that was very popular. The Lights That Dance in the Night is another lovely, beautiful book. It's about the uh, Northern Lights. Oh. Just fabulous. This. The Christmas tree that was meant to be and that thing called Snow and things like that. So very well known oh, for beautiful illustrations. Yeah. For younger children... Well, that's what I thought. got this lovely light-up um, nativity book. A light-up nativity book. Hang on. And then it helps with counting. Hello, hello, Heather. Like hello, a countdown Heather. that goes up progressively. Yeah. Uh-huh. She said she can hear Great. me. Great. Yeah, so okay. I can't have at night. But nice bedtime story. You've got the big Thanks, star in the sky. And also for young Nothing's children, I've got to show you this one. You're going to love no. this. This is an alphabet, no. little flat concertina book called Christmas Street. Right. So okay. it looks like a normal book. Yeah. So wow. It it up, right. It concertinas out. It would yeah. fill up a space in your house, wouldn't it? Child's bedroom, I think. It's huge. But it's great fun. It's got uh, waffles and you lift up all the different yeah. apps and it's very interactive. I've got the script here, so after Shantan's finished, yeah, I've got the books That's a great one for spending time with your child yeah. at this busy time. Okay. Absolutely. And then for older children, right, Parents so, Bean is yeah. very, very popular by Lauren Child. Okay, Lauren lovely. Thanks so much. It's a special okay, one for Christmas. And you can see it has fantastic illustrations, but quite a lot of writing. So I'd say um, can you eight hear me? plus, unless, no. unless you want to read to them. But yeah, it's lovely. The hardback, good sized gift. Hello, 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 hello. That looks like a gift book. Nothing. So it's this one, Michael Mulpergo, has done oh, an edition. The Snowman by Raymond Briggs. Hello, hello, so hello. what is Michael Mulpergo doing to the story? Okay. It's just a new edition, really, but it is lovely. So it's a retelling uh, as a novella. So it's a slightly bigger story than the book. Okay, so it's more more detailed. So this is for an older an older age group. Or you could read it to you know age five plus. Yeah, you could like reading a bit. And it's such a um, lovely story, isn't it? And it it's on the telly every, all the time. So that's great to have a book associated. I'm not going to no spoilers, but. Just warn you. <laughs> Plenty of tissues required. I've got a lovely couple of hardware. Gorgeous. I'd say this one would um, go with that tradition where, you know, where you give books on Christmas Eve and eat chocolate all night. <laughs> this would be perfect for that. It was the night before Christmas. And it's a, a new edition of an old story, but it's absolutely lovely. And of course, it starts off, it was the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was staring, not even a mouse. And it has beautiful illustrations. And I'd say probably three plus. Fantastic. Yes. Really nice. But something to do on Christmas Eve. Uh, I don't know that tradition of giving a book and chocolates on Christmas Eve. That's a new one on me. Oh, it's not in this country, but I think we should definitely adopt it. So Christmas Eve, you give each other books and you stay up all night reading and eating chocolate. Oh, I will go for that. Except, of course, you <laughs> do need to be asleep before Santa Claus arrives. I, I guess so. But uh, then we've got... 
the new one from Julie Donaldson, she never disappoints, who's always wonderful for a year, fantastic timing. Uh, this is called The Christmas Pine, and it's about the story of how the UK helped Norway during the war and why we always have uh, a pine tree from Norway in Trafalgar Square and how what a special tree it is and what they call it, the queen tree, and how they look after it in its preparation. I'll just show you inside. Absolutely gorgeous. Gloria Sandoy, Sandoy has uh, illustrated it, so a bit different from her usual. And a great story as well, so one we mustn't forget. And that's why you know, it's such a good idea that they are recreating these books. Yeah. So find out about it because otherwise you just go to Trafalgar Square to see the big dream none yeah. the wiser yeah and the lights of course are out in, in London already well the lights are on Cookham High Street as well they went up at the weekend so it's feeling lovely and festive Fun. can't I have Christmas without mentioning J.K. Rowling for some strange reason though, <laughs> but it always seems to be a big time for her uh, she has a new book out called The Christmas Pig of course mm-hmm. which is top of all the bestsellers and I would say that's a great one for a Christmas gift we also have some other editions of um, Harry Potter books. It, that's the series that just gives and gives. Yeah. But Hogwarts at Christmas by Lego, you can get, it is a book, you do get a, an actual story in, in the back, a Lego Hogwarts story. Oh, fantastic. Get a little Lego Harry Potter as well. Oh, fun. Really nice gift. For children and adults who are absolutely obsessed with Harry Potter, and I put myself in, yes. but we've got this Harry Potter, A Magical Year, which is a spellbinding moment for every day from J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter novels. And it has illustrations by Jim Kay. So it has quotes for June, for instance, or if you go to a different month, there's on the 23rd of January, Harry said this, and then there's illustrations to mark it. So it's a bit of a collector's one. That's Um, amazing. Speaking of collector's editions, we have a collector's uh, Mina Lima edition of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. That's an amazing edition, beautifully designed. This is a very, very special one. I'm very careful when I open it. Really, I'd like it to be behind a glass case. Uh-huh. But it's uh, pop-ups sections. It's all between tissue paper. and. and oh, how beautiful. Mm-hmm. What you've got is you've got a piece of tissue paper and then it opens out and then there's a beautiful illustration that can then open up. That's a beautiful book. That's for somebody who's a real fan. You know, it's got gold and the front, and it's a big, hard round edition. And it's made by Mia Lima from Bloomsbury. And uh, last year it was for Stone, and this year it's Chamber of Secrets. So, so this is going to be a whole series every every year now. Well, that's a, a great one to start. And can we still get the first book? That's still available, is it? Available, yeah. I mean, they do keep going. At this time of year, they go out of print a lot. Right. So I advice from the industry all and they'll run up to Christmas has been to shop early to avoid disappointment, especially for children's books, because they come from the Far East and to get the high quality coloured ones from China. So um, there's going to be lots of uh, disruption to services, as we've already seen <laughs> in the run up. And yeah, so just, just to buy early to avoid disappointment. And of course, you can put orders in and we can order them for you as well. And are you finding that people are buying early? Yes, I've had someone in the other day who's already finished all their Christmas shopping. (laughs) Chantal, thank you very much indeed. Well, um, I have to say that uh, I do apologise on behalf of the techno gremlins that they kept me away from my uh, duties a little bit early, but I'm back. And I just want to say, here are the books recommended by Chantal, and they include Twas the Night Before Christmas by Clement Seymour, published by Paul's Books. We've got uh, Christmas Street by Jonathan Emmett and published by Nosy Crow. 
Uh, Clarice Bean, Think Like an Elf by Lauren Child, who is the author of Charlie and Lola and is published by HarperCollins Children's Books. There's An Odd Dog Christmas, which is a festive story about stepping up and letting your Christmas light shine through from the award-winning creator of the internet sensation Draw With Rob. So the author's Rob Biddulph and the publisher's HarperCollins Children's. And then we have The Lights That Dance in the Night by Yuval Zommer, published by Oxford University Press, and it was awarded the Sunday Times Best Children's Book of the Year in 2019. There's The Christmas Pie by Julia Donaldson, author of The Gruffalo, of course, published by Alison Greenbooks. And then we have Twinkling Twinkling Nativity by Sam Taplin and Roizen Hassey, published by Osborne Books. I give Julian all the difficult words to read. Yes, indeed. Uh, Always. (laughs) The Snow Queen, retold by Leslie Barnes, published by Templar Publishing. And a classic upon classic, I was super, The Snowman, a full-colour retelling of this classic by Michael Morpulgo, published by Puffin. And for all Harry Potter fans out there, there's a choice of new editions of the books, written by J.K. Rowling and published by Bloomsbury. So there's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets in a Mina Lima edition. And then there's Harry Potter, A Magical Year by J.K. Rowling, of course, with illustrations by Jim Kay. And Harry Potter Lego, Hogwarts at Christmas. Ooh, I say. And then there's finally How Winston Came Home for Christmas by Alex T. Smith, which is full of gorgeous um, colour artwork and Christmassy activities for all of the family to enjoy. And it's published by Macmillan Children's Books. So going back to Harry Potter, I saw this morning that they do a Harry Potter knitting book. Uh, yes, indeed. I think I think um, uh, Pavilion published one oh, uh, probably about two or three uh, years they, ago. I think they did that indeed. That was well. There is a new one out. Ah, right. So okay, you're absolutely mm. right. There has been one in the past which had the Harry Potter figurine, so you could knit yourself a Harry Potter and a. Um, and a Rob Weasley, yes. A, a, whole, a whole collection of wizards. <laughs> yes, but now this is Harry Potter at Hogwarts, so presumably you uh, can right. knit yourself the, the school or something. <laughs> yes, that would be a challenge. Yes, but one that I think people around the country will uh, will rise to. Oh, I'm sure they will, and there'll be some fantastic um, creations. Um, in fact, actually, my friend um, Joy Pennell's a near neighbour. Um, she creates all sorts of interesting things, um, particularly at Easter. Um, <clears throat> she does little bunnies and so on, and uh, little ducks, which she then puts um, uh, cream eggs in to give to children. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. So in um, Marlowe, over for Remembrance Day, they had uh, by the park all the railings were just covered in knitted poppies, which is absolutely fantastic. Well, in fact, as well, Joy uh, had that commission for the her parish church, St Luke's in Sevenoaks, oh. where she knitted these um, poppies, and then she carefully sewed uh, black buttons in for the for the centre, yeah. and then they they decorated them all around the pillar of the church. It was really quite spectacular. I can see a whole new program coming up: knitting with Heather and Julian. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so it is winter coming up. And what is it about winter that inspires reading? It's too cold to do things outside. It's probably cosy just to be by the fire. Or is it because the nights are dark early and the evenings are extra long? I don't know about you, but winter always makes me read lots more books. 
And it also encourages authors to set novels here too. Now, lots of thrillers use winter as a backdrop. I'm thinking of Snow by the Booker Prize winning author John Banville, who has written this country house mystery based in Ireland in the deep snow winter, which was published last month in October. And uh, there, his Detective Inspector Sinjin Strafford is called in from Dublin to investigate a murder at Ballyglass House. And it starts with Colonel Osborne saying, the body is in the library, come this Aha. way. This is it. It sounds like an Agatha Christie, but obviously John... Um, John are, you sure it was, are we sure it was Colonel Osborne, not Colonel Mustard? <laughs> in this version, it's definitely Colonel Osborne. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> and talking about new books, I've also got to mention that Sebastian Falks has just got a, a new book out, which was published in hardback in September. So it's not available yet in paperback. And it's called Snow Country. And it's set in Austria just after the war. So obviously another epic love story from the author of the worldwide best-selling uh, book Birdsong. But Julian, you're going to start with a mystery, aren't you? I am indeed. My choice for a winter's read is Dorothy L. Sayers' The Nine Tailors, which is set in the fens of East Anglia, and it opens with a motor accident on New Year's Eve. Now, you can't get more wintry than that, I don't think. Uh, it's actually the 11th book in um, Dorothy L. Sayers' classic Lord Peter Whimsey series. Now, the story's great. There are missing emeralds, unexpected corpses, a cryptogram, erudition, a touch of the macabre, an old church with ringing bells, and our detective performing feats of deduction and exercising his somewhat freakish humour. Um, and you can see why I've chosen this book. Um, it, it's, in, in, as I say, it's, it, it's New Year's Eve, and the village of Fenchurch St Paul's is attempting to ring a 15,840 40 Kent treble Bob Majors to match a feat which first uh, was accomplished at a college church in 1868 with only eight men to ring the eight bells. And it takes nine hours to complete. That was a bit of now, a mouthful. Oh, yes. Um, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it, it was. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> now, to, um, to accomplish this, um, uh, unfortunately, Influenza um, visits the village and lays some people, including one particular bell ringer who is quite significant in the story later on. Um, and so the story opens with um, Dorothy Alsea's sleuth, Lord Peter Whimsey, and his manservant, Bunter, surveying their car, which has ended up in a ditch after his lordship managed to overshoot the road, having been um, blinded by a flurry of snow across the windscreen. Now, Let's listen to a little bit of the, the book, which I've prepared for you earlier. The Nine Tailors by Dorothy L. Sayers. The bells are rung up. The coil of rope which it is necessary to hold in the hand before and whilst raising a bell always puzzles a learner. It gets into his face and perhaps round his neck, in which case he may be hanged. Troit on change ringing. That's torn it, said Lord Peter Whimsey. The car lay, helpless and ridiculous, her nose deep in the ditch, her back wheels cocked absurdly up on the bank, as though she were doing her best to bolt to earth and was scraping herself a burrow beneath the drifted snow. Peering through a flurry of driving flakes, Whimsy saw how the accident had come about. 
the narrow humpback bridge, blind as an eyeless beggar, spanned the dark drain at right angles, dropping plump down upon the narrow road that crested the dyke. Coming a trifle too fast across the bridge, blinded by the bitter easterly snowstorm, he had overshot the road and plunged down the side of the dyke into the deep ditch beyond, where the black spikes of a thorn hedge stood bleak and unwelcoming in the glare of the headlights. Right and left, before and behind, the fen lay shrouded. It was past four o'clock on New Year's Eve. The snow that had fallen all day gave back a glimmering greyness to a sky like lead. "'I'm sorry,' said Whimsy. "'Whereabouts do you suppose we've got to, Bunter?' The manservant consulted a map in the ray of an electric torch. "'I think, my lord, we must have run off the proper road at Lemholt. Unless I am much mistaken, we must be near Fenchurch St. Paul.' As he spoke, the sound of a church clock, muffled by the snow, came borne upon the wind. It chimed the first quarter. "'Thank God!' said Whimsy. "'Where there is a church there is civilization. We'll have to walk it. Never mind the suitcases. We can send somebody for them.' "'Brrr! Oh, it's cold. I bet that when Kingsley welcomed the wild northeaster, he was sitting indoors by a good fire eating muffins.' I could do with a muffin myself. Next time I accept hospitality in the Fen country, I'll take care that it's at midsummer, or else I'll go by train. Mm. The church lies to windward of us, I fancy. It would. They wrapped their coats about them and turned their faces to the wind and snow. To the left of them the drain ran straight as a rule could make it, black and sullen, with a deep bank shelving down to its slow, unforgiving waters. To their right was the broken line of the sunk hedge, with here and there a group of poplars or willows. They tramped on in silence, the snow beating on their eyelids. At the end of a solitary mile the gaunt shape of a windmill loomed up upon the farther bank of the drain, but no bridge led to it, and no light showed. Another half-mile and they came to a signpost and a secondary road that turned off to the right. Bunter turned his torch upon the signpost and read upon the single arm. Fenchurch St. Paul. There was no other direction. Ahead, road and dyke marched on side by side into an eternity of winter. Fenchurch and Paul for us, said Whimsy. He led the way into the side road, and as he did so, they heard the clock again, nearer, chiming the third quarter. A few hundred yards of solitude, and they came upon the first sign of life in this frozen desolation. On their left, the roofs of a farm, standing some way back from the road, and on the right, a small square building like a box of bricks, whose sign, creaking in the blast, proclaimed it to be the Wheatsheaf public house. In front of it stood a small, shabby car, and from windows on the ground and first floors, light shone behind red blinds. Now stranded in the village, Peter Wimsey, staying courtesy of the vicar, assists the bell ringers as he has had experience of change ringing um, during his own college days. Um, in his discussion with the rector, we learn about Stedman's, grandsire triples and other mathematical changes that have been developed over the years. And it's absolutely captivating. It really is. It really is interesting. 
The following morning, after the, the peel has been rung, Lady Thorpe, the wife of the local squire, Sir Henry, dies. And it is then that Lord Peter gets to hear about the family's trauma over the past 20 years, when an extremely valuable emerald necklace had been stolen and never re- recovered. Um, and yes, of course, because it's Lord Peter Whimsey, there's a body. Um, one uh, that has been rendered unrecognisable and with no obvious means of death, as all injuries to the body were done post-mortem. The man is buried at Fenchurch St Paul's um, and for its committal, um, the village performs such services for strangers who die um, and, and their bodies are unclaimed. Um, and the uh, the Taylor Paul is the deep, sonorous bell that tolls the passing of souls in the village. Now, men receive nine rings, followed by a note for each year of their life. Thus, the title of the book, The Nine Tailors, uh, a ringing pattern that's used um, for this man who ends up dead in their village. Now, needless to say, there are twists and turns galore as documents are found in the bell tower which point to where the emeralds are and indicators implicating people in the village. But how are they all linked? And you're going to have to read the book to find out. It really is a piece of fine writing by Dorothy Alsayers. Now, I must admit, when I was rereading the book, um, I, her style is is very easy uh, to read. It really is 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 a good style. I think she's, um, um, she's just fabulous. And I thought what was really interesting is, did you know that Lord Peter Whimsey suffers from PTSD? Yes. The the First World War. And so each of the novels talks about his deteriorating symptoms. Mm. So rather than so you have to read the novels rather than the short stories to get that to get that sort of. The, that background detail yes, but that's yes. absolutely amazing yeah um, it's, it's interesting um, and just as a postscript it was interesting that uh, because Dorothy L. Sayers' father was in fact um, a vicar yeah. uh, and I think a, a, a lot of the um, the um, the template if you like for um, Fenchurch St Paul's uh, was based on her father's um, church which is St Mary's Bluntersham come Irith which is near Ely and recently it had um, its bells restored and rehung um, to a full circle. Um, and the first peal of the restored bells was appropriately the Kent treble Bob Major, a method that was that featured in the Nine uh, Tailors. Oh, isn't that a lovely story? Yeah. Now, yes. you used to be a campanologist, didn't you? I, yes, I was. I, I, I don't ring anymore. In fact, probably I've forgotten everything, but probably I think it's a bit like a bicycle. You know, once, you, once, you, uh, once you've learned to ride a bicycle, you'll always do it. It was when I actually lived in Woodstock, <clears throat> in, in, uh, just down the road uh, in Oxfordshire, uh, and I attended um, um, the church at St Mary, um, St. Mary Magdalene uh, in, in, in the village. And a, a really lovely guy, who turned out to be a very good friend, came, started to chat very friendly and asked me, um, you know, if I'd be interested um, yeah. in bell ringing. And, the, and his, 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 this was Ted Venn, uh, who uh, was very, very well known, not only in the county, but nationwide as a, a really <clears throat> significant bell ringer and a good teacher. And um, and he was very friendly and he became a very good friend. Unfortunately, um, Ted is no longer alive, um, but his but his widow, um, Judy, uh, lives up in Scotland. And he was the one that taught me to ring um, the bells. So is it really um, difficult? But I, I, I could only ever ring with Ted, and because right. I, because there are, there, there are two ways you can ring bells. You can actually, I mean, the really super smart way is actually to count. 
Um, and and you really have to know the peels. You have to read basically the the, the times table, if you like. Um, yes. And St Mary's had eight bells, um, and but I used to do it on site. And and on site, it's when you when you have, with the Sally, which is the which is the furry uh, yeah. the thing that you pull off, and yeah. and that's where you if you're doing site. Um, bell ringing is is where you 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 have to go round the tower, of course, but then you have to see where the bell that you're going to follow, where their Sally is. Now that I found easier because I couldn't do that, but it was really good. And <clears throat> I did, in fact, ring a quarter peal, and I have a certificate for it. <laughs> okay. So uh, am, it, I, it, am I impressed? Should I be impressed by a well, quarter peal? Well, sound... yes, really, as a novice. I mean, to do your first quarter peal, that's your rite of passage oh, as well, bell ringer. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And it takes 45 minutes, and that is you do it, and you have to do it complete. If you f- make a mess, yeah. you have to start again. So this was 45 minutes, beginning to end, perfect. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Oh, and oh. just some little bits of information. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought you might and be Dorothy interested And Dorothy L. Uh, well, no, actually, again, with bells. Oh, because okay. normally, yeah, you can have a you can have a tower that have six and eight, but <clears throat> usually, um, if it's a bigger church, it'll be eight. But St. Paul's has an impressive 12 bells. And that is quite something. And the, the the heaviest, I think, if I remember rightly, requires two people to ring it. It is that heavy. And wow. Westminster Abbey has ten. But one quick little bit thing is the grandsire Bob Triples, which was mentioned in there, was first rung in the method at St. Peter Mancroft in Norwich in 1715. And change ringing is the only, it only occurs in, in the UK and in America and Canada, maybe Australia, which is sort of everywhere else on the continent, they just do clangy, clangy, yes, clangy. Yes, that's really but interesting, they, isn't yeah, it? Mm. Yeah, but they could do change ringing, but we're the only we're the only country really that does change ringing. Yeah, I think you yeah. probably need all those foundries for the different uh, yeah. sounds for the bells. Yes. Right, <clears throat> so moving on into winter, of course, which is our theme, I've chosen the aptly named Winter by Ali Smith. Mm-hmm. which is part of her best-selling seasonal quartet, which started with autumn, then winter, spring, and finally summer, was published May this year. Uh, now, I've got to say, I am a huge fan of Ali Smith, and it might be because I had a long boozy lunch with her a few years ago, and she's just absolutely delightful. Or perhaps it's because she's just a great author, which of course she is. She's got lots of humour and lots of brains. I've not read a bad book from her, actually. She's been shortlisted for numerous major prizes, winning quite a few in the process, along with a CBE for services to literature in 2015 in the New Year's Honours list then. So the first book in this quartet, Autumn, was nominated for the Man Booker Prize and um, Summer won the Orwell Prize for Political Fiction. And Winter was chosen as Book of the Year by The Times, The Guardian, The Observer, Daily Telegraph, Evening Standard, New York Times, I Could Go On. So it's a brilliant book. So stylistically, the novels in this seasonal quartet are of similar. So the sort of fractured narratives with numerous sort of flashbacks and flash forwards. And they're not quite sequels to each other, but they sort of share the same subjects and themes, uh, including a discriminating observation of art, family and politics. So, of course, set in winter, you think of a classics winter tale and Dickens' A Christmas Carol is probably the first one 
that springs to mind. And it clearly is one of the models for this book. So I think Dickens would have recognised it. Um, Here we've got Sophia Cleves, who's the heroine, and she's our Scrooge for our time. She's a very successful retired businesswoman in her 60s who owns a 16-bedroom baronial mansion down in Cornwall, Che Bray, I think, if that's how you pronounce it. It's the Cornish for House of the Mind. So it's set right in the heart of winter, and she invites her 20-year-old son, Arthur, his girlfriend, Charlotte, and she invites them over for dinner and an overnight stay to celebrate the Christmas holiday. But the only problem is that, unbeknownst to Sophia, Arthur and Charlotte are estranged. So he's gone ahead, as all young men might possibly do, and hired a 21-year-old Croatian, Lux, to pose as her girlfriend for a £1,000. And they've invited, they've decided to invite uh, Sophia's estranged sister Iris to stay. And it doesn't go well. As Iris uh, observes, Sophia is a miserly old grump who'd had nothing in the house for his son and his girlfriend for Christmas except a bag of walnuts and half a jar of glacé sherries. (laughs) Let's listen to an extract from the book read by Julian. Winter. On a late summer day in 1981, two young women are standing outside a typical ironmonger's on the high street of a southern English town. There is a sign above the door in the shape of a door key. On it, the words, keys cut. There'll be a high smell of creosote, oil, paraffin, lawn treatment stuff. There'll be brush heads with handles, brush heads without handles, handles by themselves for sale. What else? Rakes, spades, forks, a garden roller, a wall of stepladders, a tin bath full of bags of compost, caligas bottles, saucepans, frying pans, mop heads, charcoal, folding stools made of wood, a plastic bucket of plungers, stacked packs of sandpaper, sacks of sand in a wheelbarrow, metal doormats, Axes, hammers, a camping stove or two, hessian carpet mats, stuff for curtains, stuff for curtain rails, stuff for screen curtain rails to walls and pelmets, pliers, screwdrivers, bulbs, lamps, pails, pegs, laundry baskets, saws of all sizes, everything for the home. But it's the flowers. Lobelia alisum and the racks of bright-coloured seed packets the women remember most when they talk about it afterwards. They say hello to the man behind the counter. They stand by the rolls of chains of different widths. They compare the price per yard. They calculate. One of them pulls a length of slim chain. It unrolls and clinks against itself, and the other stands in front of her pretending to look at something else while she passes the chain around her hips and measures it against herself. They look at each other and shrug. They've no idea how long or short. So they check how much money they've got. Under £10. They consider padlocks. They'll need to buy four. If they buy the smaller, cheaper of the padlocks, it'll leave them enough money for roughly three yards of it. The ironmonger cuts the lengths for them. They pay him. The bell above the door will have clanged behind them. They'll have stepped back out into the town in its long English shadows, its summer languor. Nobody looks at them. Nobody on the sleepy sunny street even gives them a second glance. They stand on the curb. 
This town's high street seems unusually wide now. Was it this wide before they went into the shop, and they just didn't notice? They don't dare to laugh till they're out of the town and back on the road, walking the miles towards the others, and then they do. Then they laugh like anything. Imagine them arm in arm in the warmth, one swinging the bag, jangling the lengths of chain in it, and singing to make the other laugh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingled all the way. The other with the padlocks complete with their miniature keys in her pockets, and the grasses in the verges on both sides of the road thereon, summer yellow and shot through with the weeds, the wild flowers. So that sounds a bit of a summary. Um, um, Sum- a summary bit of winter. <laughs> summary bit of winter. But it's their, one of their reminiscences back. <laughs> so in a nutshell, winter is about a family riven by conflicting moral visions, which come to a head during a particularly ghastly Christmas gathering. Now, through it all, the author, Ali Smith, reassures us about the thawing effect of gen- genuine human connection. That's what winter is about, she says, an exercise in remembering how to still yourself and then how to compliantly back to life again, which I think is rather charming. It is, yes. So I've got to say, this is such a lovely, uh, lovely book, hugely uh, recommended. And um, Alice Smith often writes about sort of that disruptive guest that comes in and shakes life about. I remember um, her book, There But For The, which is a bit of a strange title, mm. but I don't know if you've read it. It's about no, a dinner party. <laughs> and you know, sort of, you have a dinner party and somebody says, oh, would you mind awfully if I bring somebody along with me? Oh, yes. <clears throat> and so, of course, you very politely say, yes, of course, that's absolutely fine. And so these people are having a, a dinner party and their guests bring somebody else into the um into the party and halfway through the dinner he goes up to use the bathroom and then he goes into one of the bedrooms and locks himself in and he, <laughs> and he decides he's he's going to stay there and they're sort of feeding him ham under the door because it's sort of like the thinnest things they can they can find because they don't want to starve him because that would just be so horrendous it's just charming and it's really funny and i think that's just an example of uh, Ali Smith's humour and uh, fabulous writing, but also she has to que- you question all the time, what would you do in that situation? Yeah. And I think that brings it home. Well, all I can say is I hope he chose a bedroom which was en suite. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to tell you about that. But anyway, no, no, so but, that, yeah. that was winter. So I think that was a, that was a charming book. <laughs> So we're looking at uh, one more thing, and uh, we've got some Sunday Times best-selling um, titles that we'd like to share with you. Um, so Richard Osman is still leading both the hardback and the paperback fiction charge, which is just amazing. So The Man Who Died Twice is his new book. So that's the one that's out in hardback at the moment. And in paperback, of course, you've got the Thursday Murder Club. And I think they've been in the top of the bestsellers list, or at least in the top three of the bestsellers list all year. It's just been phenomenal for him. Absolutely. That that really is. That's quite 
uh, more than respectable, I would say. Uh, definitely, definitely more than respectable. Now, I've noticed that you've chosen um, two fiction titles, yeah. so I ch- I've chosen two non-fiction. Yeah. And the first I've selected is in the general hardback fiction, which is uh, r- ranked at number one, and that's Diddley Squat by Jeremy Clarkson. Oh, and this is fabulous. The, yeah. Yes, this is the story of his agricultural life, um, having bought a farm um, in the Cotswolds and running it. And by, by all accounts, I understand, you know, reasonably successfully. Um, and, and, and I mean, it's like him or loathe him. Um, I, I, I find his writing quite amusing. And I noticed, I read a, an article at the weekend, which he'd written, which was basically about moving into what he called diddly squat manor. And he was telling us about um, how he and his partner um, uh, were having the house built and it was going on yeah. and on forever. <clears throat> uh, and anyway, they eventually moved in and every, all the paraphernalia they bought. But really, um, if you want something light and interesting and amusing, then certainly Tilly Squat will do it. That's fantastic. That's a really good, uh, really good shout. Um, so, yes, I've gone for another fiction and I'm going to say June his back, the uh, famous science fiction book uh, written by Frank Herbert, which was actually first published in 1965. And yes, it's back in the bestsellers list and that's because um a film has just been produced um uh, on on june and um it's supposed to be very good i haven't seen it myself but that novel is over 50 years old and it's quite interesting that it's been inspirational for so in so many films and star Mm. wars probably wouldn't have been made without it Right. I must admit, I, I, I know the original was, was um, um, panned by critics, but I must admit, I quite enjoy watching the original. So the, the remake, it'd be interesting to see how that... But of course, you see, the thing is, um, as a new film is done, of course, they, there's so much more in the technological field for yes. filmmaking, which, which adds so much more to the films, which is really good. Especially for science fiction. Exactly. Well, my second choice is that it's another non-fiction title, and yeah. I've actually chosen one, which is perhaps a subject we might actually look at at some uh, at, in the future, and it's called Good Vibes, um, Good Life by Vex King, and it's published by Hay House. And it's really um, an excellent book, and it's, it's, it's how positive thinking and self-love uh, will um, an, an overcoming fear will lead to a lasting happiness. Now, Hay House is a very important publisher of uh, mind, body, and spirit books. They also do a great range of tarot and um, tarot cards. <clears throat> Pardon me. I've got now, this, this book. Pardon? Sorry, I was go- I was just going to say the self help books are hugely popular. Yes, they are. Um, they really are. Now, this one, The Good Vibes, Good Life, just wanted to mention. Now, it's been um, in the top 10 for the past 91 weeks. Wow. Fantastic. Yes. And last week, its ranking was number five, and it's now number two. Um, so, yeah, and, and it really is. It, 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 it's phenomenal. But it, and Hay House has done extremely well, um, and congratulations to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's amazing. So I just wanted to also mention a really interesting book that's uh, popped in to a massive bestseller. And it's by a publisher called Unbound. Oh, yes. Which is a relatively new publisher. But what's interesting about it is that it 
based on crowdfunding. So instead of a publisher committing to a book and paying for the production and the printing and the distribution and the author, what this organisation does is they decide a book is worthy of being published and then they go out to the public and they say, if you agree with me, help fund the development of this book. And so people will buy, uh, will send in 20 quid or 50 quid or 100 quid and depending on the money you actually get you know a signed copy or you might get a letter Mm -hmm. from the author or various other different things but what you're doing is you're helping to fund the development of this book Mm. anyway they have new got a new book out and it's called Cain's Jawbone and it's actually had been first published in 1934 so it's not a new book but it's absolutely gone viral. It's, uh, it sold its initial print run straight away. And they're just reprinting. They're rushing to reprint another 10,000 copies to try and get it back into the uh, Christmas, the bookshops mm-hmm. for Christmas. And they had to do that because a clip went viral on TikTok. Um, so this BookTok community... Um, put out a bit about the book and 4.2 million views, 5,300 comments and 36,000 shares on WhatsApp and a million likes. It's just gone phenomenal. It's just, it's really exciting actually. But the book, I've got to say, sounds brilliant. And in fact, I'm going to buy it for a friend. Um, so it's, uh, it was been it was authored by the Observer's first cryptic crossword setter a gentleman called Edward Powis Mathers. And it was, as I said, it was first published back in 1934 by Galantz. And it was written with the pages deliberately out of order. So readers are invited to solve a murder mystery. And in order to do that, you've got to reorder the 100 pages. Right. So back in 1935, the Observer reported that two readers had solved the problem and they received 25 pounds for their a lot uh, in those yes, days absolutely they received some money for their win but they decided to keep the solution a secret so ah. the answer was then lost but right. uh, you know the author of um, Tristram Shandy, Lawrence Stern. Mm. So there's an organisation called the Lawrence Stern Trust, which uh, promotes the legacy of Tristram Shandy and is based where he used to live. And um, they were talking. So the, the gentleman who's the curator of the house was talking to John Mitchinson, who was the co-founder of Unbound and they were just talking about this book and they decided that it was good enough to reissue so they've done it as a postcard book and a thousand pound prize was offered to anyone who could solve it and that was back in 2019 and John Finneymore who's the British comedian he he writes um, comedy programmes for Radio 4 he was one of the 12 entrants and the only one to get it right ah. so So, obviously, it's a really difficult puzzle. But in Mm. response to the continued interest, they decided to keep the secret uh, once more and re-release it in paperback, uh, which they did this summer. And the main prize has been claimed, but the publisher will continue to accept and mark entries. 
if you get it to them by the end of uh, the year, next year, 2022, so the 31st of December, 2022, and you'll receive £250 to spend supporting other book projects on the Unbound site. So that's absolutely fantastic. That's good, absolutely. So so it's a puzzle and it's it's a country house mystery murder and it's just fantastic. And there's so many combinations that um, it generates a figure with 158 zeros of the different combinations you can have. Gosh. Well, just as a footnote, I know John Mitchinson. I used to work for him when he was managing director of Harville Press. There you are, did you? And, yes, and he was one of the um, uh, uh, um, co-producers, not producers, but... Um, instigators of QI. That's right. Yes, yes. I knew that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and a indeed. very jolly good man. Um, our hour is almost up. Um, so a very big thank you for listening, and we really appreciate it. And, and um, sorry. No, carry yeah. on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, now, yes. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we've just got some other um, books that we, we've recommended so far. Yes, um, so which... we've got uh, Snow by John Banville, published by Faber and Faber. Yes, and then we have The Nine Tailors by Dorothy L. Sayers, uh, which is published by Hodder Paperbacks. Winter by Ali Smith, published by Penguin Books. Um, Sebastian Fouts' Snow Country, published by Hutchinson. Um, Marcus Rashford, You Are a Champion, How to Be the Best You Can Be, published by Macmillan Children's Books. And then we've got The Lyrics by Paul McCartney, published by Alan Lane. And Matt Haig's Midnight Library and the Comfort Book, published by Cannon Gate Books. Indeed. So don't forget... If you have any favourite authors you want to tell us about, if you've got great book recommendations, if you run a local book club or are a local author, we'd love to hear from you. And you can contact me on heather at river.radio with any of your book news and we'd be delighted to include some of your thoughts and ideas in future shows. And do keep listening to River Radio as Let's Talk Business is on at one o'clock today. And we look forward to you joining us next Wednesday, as always, between 11 and 12 noon. And if you're not able to join us, then you can listen again directly from our website, which is river.radio. And Turning Pages is also available as a podcast. You just search for Turning Pages on River Radio Podcast and then you can find us. Next week, we have got uh, Mike Burton the casual poet joining us. So that's absolutely fantastic. He's got a new book out, Pete the Polar Bear, and he'll be telling us about that and his new publishing venture. Yes, and I, that's really nice because I, we, we've seen a copy. Uh, uh, I could um, uh, sent you a copy. Uh, and it's really a lovely story um, and nicely illustrated, of which Mike does the illustrations himself. Yes. And, 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 and it'd be super. And it's nice to have Mike in the studio to, to, to certainly chat about his books, but also because he's probably probably have a bit of a poem to put together for you as well. I wouldn't be at all surprised. I wouldn't be at all surprised, absolutely. And also Chantal will be talking about her Christmas suggestions for adult books. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yes, because that's really quite important as well. Now, we, we, we need to get the grown-ups um, their, their book selection ready. 
Yeah. And I've got, I've got to say that my favourite present ever is always going to be a book. So it can, it can never disappoint. But it's also really good for those difficult people to buy for when you're not well, quite sure. Yes. It, well, it is. I mean, it could, well, it's a whole thing. But, it, you know, whoever whoever the book's for, you know their interests. So whether it's actually in a piece of fiction or nonfiction, you can always match something to their taste and it'll always be appreciated. Exactly. Yeah. So we will see you all next week, uh, Wednesdays between 11 and 12. Bye-bye. Bye. Paperback writer.